Stupidity in business can lead to disasters, from absurd routines to idiotic management practices, from lost productivity and slow reaction times to financial catastrophes and organizational collapse. Yet, mindlessness and idiocy can, at least for a while, help people do things a bit more easily, can help people get along more easily, and really can help people just get on with it. This is the stupidity paradox. So how is stupidity impacting the way we do business? And should we do anything about it? From the University of Sydney Business School, this is Sydney Business Insights, the podcast that explores the future of business. I'm Sandra Peter, and today we talk to Professor Mats Alveson, who is the chair of the Business Administration Department at Lund University in Sweden, and is also part-time professor at the University of Queensland Business School. The Stupidity Paradox, The Power and Pitfalls of Functional Stupidity, the book he wrote together with Andre Spicer from Cass Business School in London, was on Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull's summer reading list, although as Matt's cautions, so was Harry Potter. And the concept of functional stupidity was recently officially included in the Swedish language. Welcome and thank you for talking to us today. Pleasure being here. You've studied a large number of organizations and found that far from being the knowledge-intensive creative enterprises that they claim to be, much of what goes on in them can be described as, well, stupid. What makes a workplace mindless? Well, you have a lot of pressure on people to comply, particularly large organizations. You should get along with people. You should adapt to bureaucratic structures. This management hope that you buy into all the buzzwords, often rather hollow and shallow statements around visions and missions and corporate cultures and so on. So there's uh, simply a lot of pressure for people to comply. What is functional stupidity? There are two elements. One is the functional part, and that means that you actually are able to do the job in a kind of proper way. You do things correctly and reasonably competent and well-educated and don't create any particular problems. But then you have the stupidity element as well. And that means that you are not necessarily thinking through what is this all about? What should I do this? What's the broader purpose? So you are typically contained within the box thinking. And the combination is people that do the job in an okay way. They do things rightly, but they never ask, is this the right thing to do? So it's a form of within the box thinking, form of mindlessness but in a reasonably competent way and something that is typically applauded by other people, not thinking too broadly or too deeply about things at workplaces. Are there different types of stupidity at work? Yeah, of course, there's a lot of pure stupidity. People that are incompetent or doing really stupid things. That is always something that people try to avoid. That's not appreciated. So our interest is functional stupidity in the form of stupidities that call for competence and they call for a certain level of intelligence to be carried out. And it's important that the stupidities that, that people don't see as stupidities typically if they're very much into compliance, very much into within the box thinking. And then within, of course, functional stupidity, you have a large number of different versions of this. What would be some examples of that? Well, people that are seduced by visions and missions or branding statements or slogans like we live and die by the brand and other rather, in many cases, ridiculous and exaggerated statements. So seduction is one form of functional stupidity. 
another could be that people are very much into bureaucratic structures. So they follow all the policies, all the structures, all the procedures. They obey all the laws without any kind of hesitation. Square-minded bureaucrat is another example of functional stupidity. There are also professional forms of stupidity. So if you are professional and you are an expert, then you'll be very much caught by that particular framework. So you see the world in line with your own favorite framework and an ideal, so you become a professional idiot. Treat all problems as they fit into your own professional framework and are not so inclined to think more broadly or deeply about issues. So what's the paradoxical nature of stupidity? Many forms of stupidity that we are interested in, they are rewarded and celebrated by people. So they're not seen as stupid. They are seen as stupid that they take a more broader look, that they engage in critical reflection, that they can point that this is really not particularly sensible things to do. But for people that are steeped into a particular format and are used to all this, this is reasonably rational, sensible, the things that you do, you do as everybody else, you follow instructions. So it's not seen as stupid, but it really is if you look carefully at this. And of course, these forms of functional stupidity are typically rewarded and appreciated by people around you. So it's a form of stupidity that it actually is being celebrated and it's very popular. And that forms like the paradox. Can stupidity work sometimes for the organization? It certainly does. And, and there are a lot of positive aspects around all this. So it makes social life much easier if nobody's starting to raise serious questions or doubts or ask other people, what do you really mean? What's the purpose of all this? Why should we do this? If questions like that can be avoided, and that's the point with functional stupidity, then social life is much smoother. The social machinery is, is kind of functioning. So it has an advantage. For individual people, it means that they can relax a bit more, can be lazy in terms of cognitions and uh, thinking. They can sleep good at night and don't have to complicate their existence by asking critical questions such as what in hell are we up to here? So how and really why do organizations actually encourage this functional stupidity? Makes life easier for senior people. Making bureaucracies work, then you need to have lubricators. One lubricator is that people are doing the kind of box thinking they're supposed to do, following imperatives and requirements without necessarily then rubbing the circles of the organization. You've studied a number of different types of organizations. Was this common across different types of organizations? Is this more prevalent in a specific type of organization? I think this is a bit of an evergreen, so it's common in most organizations. Indeed, it's quite common in social life. We tend to be flock animals. We like to agree with other people. We do as others do. We often do what we are told. We take the easy way out. So this is quite common. Even if it often creates a lot of problems, they may go beneath the radar, not detected or taken seriously by people. But in most organizations, we have this pressure to conform, to be a team player, to be loyal, to buy into then branding statements, vision, missions, corporate cultures, to identify with the organization, etc. So most organizations tend to press people or seduce people into this type of mindsets. 
I think that large organizations tend to have more of this than small organizations. And if you're into organizations that are also focused on material production, like nail factoring machine or supermarket or something, but you're into organizations that are more into images and ideas and so on, so consultancy, marketing work and so on, then you tend to have even more functional stupidity than in some other organizations that are a bit more hands-on and have more kind of material production as the core of their business. Do you see most individuals entering these places like consulting organization falling prey to this functional stupidity? Yes, I think that most people, they tend to comply. Some people, they think that this is absurd and very tricky and then they, in most cases, would leave or they will feel alienated and cynical at work and that's not necessarily a good feeling. So how can we make our workplaces a little less stupid? How can organizations move away from this functional stupidity? It is tricky. I mean, everybody's saying that we like to have openness and critical thinking and people communicating problems and so on. So on the spouse level, this should not be a problem. And you should have corporate cultures and forms of leadership that would avoid or minimize functional stupidity. I think in the real life, most people, they are not so eager to open up space. And a lot of people, they tend to play it quite safe. So it's tricky to deal with these issues. In our book, The Stupidity Paradox, we have a chapter on anti-stupidity management. And we, it's me and my co-author on the spice from Cass Business School in London. And here we pointed a number of examples of how you can try to systematically reduce functional stupidity at work. So what are some of these methods? Well, you can, for example, use newcomers to an organization. And of course, if you're a newcomer, then you often find a lot of things being peculiar and stupid here. But then you are a bit worried of fitting in. So you don't say that much. And after some time, you get socialized into the corporate way of being, and then you adjust or you feel this is not you, and then you leave. But often you don't necessarily use the more fresh viewpoints and observations of people coming in from the outside. But one opportunity could be that you appoint somebody that is interviewing newcomers and then ask them to point at what you see is problematic or peculiar in this organization. And then you gather their experiences and observations, and then you summarize this and say that here are a number of viewpoints that could be put on the agenda. I mean, normally newcomers are careful in saying too much, but if this is done systematically and enormously, then, of course, it's easier for people to say, this is really bizarre, this is really absurd. How come that these people have all these lofty and hollow vision statements that nobody really believes in? That's really absurd, and this is perhaps something that we could then take seriously and bring to the corporate agenda, and then, then people could perhaps discuss this a bit more obviously. And if there are newcomers saying that this is quite absurd, then it's clear feedback for people in the organizations that they need to think through this a bit more perhaps and try to change this. So besides newcomers, is there a role for leaders in this? Is there a role for appointing people within the organization or outsiders who can help with this? Yeah, I mean, the idea of the good consultant is to illuminate organizations from an external point of view and indicate issues that should be addressed more critically. The problem with most consultants is that they are so depending on the client wanting to pay them money. So they often have an interest in making the client happy and getting further assignments. 
And most managers, they want to hear good news. Or if there are problems, there are problems in another part of the company, then they are immediately responsible for. So you can't rely that much on consultants in most cases. But you could try other things. And that could be to work with devil's advocates in organizations. So you appoint a person as a DA, devil's advocate. That means that you take on the job of arguing against the conventional view, against what the mainstream most people are advocating. And of course, this became a sensitive issue, but the people say that now I'm playing the devil's advocate. And you have that as a legitimate role and appoint people to this. Somebody's agreed to take on the task to spend some of the time taking a position that normally would be seen as a bit sensitive and people would refrain from expressing. But if you have that like a formal assignment, then you feel some obligation and you also have some protection because you can protect behind the formal role. And people understand this. You can also say things. I don't necessarily think that our statement here in terms of corporate values, it's crap. But if you would take a position here, that is a bit more critical, you can say that these statements are extremely vague, they are extremely positive, they look exactly like all other organizations, they don't mean a shit. I mean, normally people would hesitate in doing that, but if you say that I'm doing this as devil's advocate, then you are allowed to say this. You can have a position like this, and it could rotate also in the company, and then it makes it a bit easier then to say things that normally are unsaid in many organizations. So legitimizing this within the organization. Precisely, yeah. But because normally you need some protection, you need to have some role or some base for saying things or pointing at issues that most people that are more politically sensitive and like to make friends with everybody and so on, they would be very hesitant in raising. Because the risk is always that you become a bit unpopular and that's a career-limiting move to say things that stands out negatively. But if there's some protection around the world, then it's easier to do this. And I think that idea of working with devil's advocates as a formal role, perhaps on a rotating basis, that could be good for many organizations. In your research, have you come across particular organizations that either manage to stay away from functional stupidity or that manage it in a better way? Any positive examples? Yeah, I mean, you have examples, of course, of companies that, that were using functional stupidity in a reasonably productive way. I studied one IIT consulting firm with about 500 employees, and they had norms such be very kind of positive. Don't express a critique unless you have a constructive proposal. And this can be seen as fueling then functional stupidity because being positive and refraining from pointing at problems, it makes the workplace a bit more happy. People moaning and groaning and pointing at issues, they are being kind of a bit marginalized. So it's like a happy atmosphere and people felt satisfied and they had a nice attitude to show to clients and so on. So one form of cultivating a mild form here of functional stupidity it actually aided the company. So that was on the positive note. This should not be underestimated. So most organizations, they need to have an element of functional stupidity to have the enthusiasm and and consensus and feeling people happy at work and so on. Also in this case, there was a kind of cost. So when the market went down, they were not so good at communicating 
negative knowledge or even see the signs of market going down here. So they were a bit slow in adapting. So the kind of positive side of functional stupidity it also had its costs or drawbacks. And that's difficult to fully avoid. I think that there are some companies that try to be quite rational and reasonable. So they try to avoid too much of this kind of fluffiness. And I mean, many companies, they have a surplus of visions and missions and a lot of strategies and policies and structures and procedures. So every bloody problem should somehow be addressed by expertise and a lot of routines and endless number of procedures to take care of everything. I mean, that's quite common. And of course, all these solutions they create often more problems than they solve. But some companies that are working in a bit more kind of hands-on, rational, reasonable way. I don't know that many examples is close range, but I think that some companies that are more into this Swedish bank, Handelsbank, and they try to get rid of necessary staff, look at what they're accomplishing as much as possible, looking at local bank offices and their performances, and skipped a lot of kind of unnecessary managerialism that normally is typical for, for organizations. So that's an example of an organization that tried to be quite rational. And there are a lot of other examples as well, but I think that in most cases there tends to be piling up incentives for being functionally stupid. So is it inevitable functional stupidity as the organization grows? To some extent it is, because it's in our nature as people, we like to hear positive news. You should be positive, you should be enthusiastic, you like to hear good news. And we are easily seduced by positive messages and so on. So I think that it's difficult to avoid and we need some of this. We want to be buying into self-serving bias that we are good, that we are better than average, this company is better than others and so on. So we have a lot of stuff like that. So it's inevitable and we tend to also agree with other people, social animals, this is part of our DNA. So in that sense, it's unavoidable. It's also something that partly is positive because functional stupidity is functional and then it serves a clear social purpose. So organizations are, in one sense, then uh, hothouses for functional stupidity. But the problematic thing is often the stupidity part. It takes upper hand, so it becomes more stupid than functional. And therefore, we need to be careful about this and try to minimize, in many cases, functional stupidity. And I think we can do that a bit better. But the problem is so many people are in the business of cultivating this. So branding experts, many marketeers, many consultants, many people in communication, many managers, many leaders. They are really into this business. And then we have a surplus of functional stupidity in most particular large organizations. So we should all be on the lookout for functional stupidity around us and try to do something about it to combat it and minimize it where possible. Thank you so much for talking to us today. Thank you. Pleasure being here. You've been listening to Sydney Business Insights, the University of Sydney Business School podcast about the future of business. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can visit us at sbi.sydney.edu.au and hear our entire podcast archive, read articles, and watch video content that explore the future of business.